Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Sunday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to make a few quick announcements. First of all, you might have heard, I have a new book coming out. It's called You Have the Watch, A Guided Journal to Become a Leader Worth Following. Now, this is a journal for leaders that will walk you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. So this journal is kind of designed for you to sit on your desk at work and give you something to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them if you want to get better at them. And this new journal helps leaders practice those skills. So if you're interested in learning more about this new journal or pre-ordering this uh, book, you can go to youhavethewatch.com and uh, you can find out more information. You can place a pre-order. I'll be putting more information out in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. I also want to remind our listeners that the Deep Leadership Podcast is ranked by Listen Score as one of the top 5% shows in the world. Yes, that's 2.7 million podcasts and we're in the top 5%. And the reason for that is because of listeners like you who listen every week, you subscribe, and you tell your friends about it, and I really appreciate it. So thank you for getting the word out. Now, if you're looking to support what I do on this show, you can purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com, and podcast listeners can get an additional discount uh, if you enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Rob Ashton. Now, Rob is a writer, entrepreneur, and scientist. Now, he's an expert in the science behind the words that we read and write. If you think about it, we use the written word more than any other communications method in our roles as leaders. So whether it's you know, emails, texts, Slack posts, proposals, plans, the words we choose are essential for our ability to influence others. Now, Rob helps us understand the science behind those words and how we can improve our writing to be more influential. This is an episode you didn't think you needed to hear, but it's one that you're never going to forget. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. (laughs) 
Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Rob Ashton. Rob is a writer, entrepreneur, and former scientist who has been researching the science behind the process of reading and writing for the past six years. His research runs the gamut of cognitive and social neuroscience, cognitive and social psychology, and behavioral and neuroeconomics. He's also the founder of the global learning company, Emphasis, that specializes in written communication. They have helped more than 70,000 people make more impact with their professional writing. In his estimation, much of the written communication of leaders simply doesn't work. I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about the importance of the written word in leadership. So, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, John. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited about this episode. We haven't covered the uh, the issue of written communication as leaders, so this is going to be the first time, and I'm excited about it. And I got to I got to know, how did you get involved uh, in learning and researching the science behind the written word? Well, uh, as you mentioned in your intro there, I, I started off as a scientist um, before uh, a love of words led me into publishing. Um, and I worked in, first of all, in technical publishing and then consumer publishing for, for years Um before then setting up a training company to take the skills that I'd learned as an editor and give them to people who are in the the working world outside of publishing. Um, But I guess, you know, I'm still at heart a scientist. Uh, I'm always curious about the mechanisms. I'm I'm a skeptic. You know, I'm rather fond of evidence. You know, I don't just accept things at face value. Um, So I wanted to go back and, and find out why what we were recommending worked. It seemed to work, but, you know, that was just anecdotal. Um, and when I started doing that, I realized that, well, I realized two things. One was um, a lot of the advice um, that's out there on the web uh, and, you know, in the leadership world is really quite bad advice um, based on a lot of pseudoscience and hearsay and wishful thinking. But I also discovered that there's a huge wealth of research out there that runs all of those, it covers all of those areas you mentioned, um, that simply hasn't made it into, made it out of academia and into uh, the wider working world. So, you know, naively, I thought I'd start researching that for a book and I gave myself six months and here I am six years later. Um, you know, it's it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. I simply didn't know what I didn't know. Um, you know, any scientist working in those fields would have just laughed, I think, you know, but I, I was naive. And, it's um it's been a it's been a great journey, but my goodness, there's a lot out there. Yeah, that's really interesting because you know, I think we sometimes trivialize how important our words are. And you're discovering through this deep dive, I would say a very deep dive, uh, that there's a lot more to it than uh, we imagine. Absolutely. And particularly um the written word, because um, you know, there is a lot of advice on on verbal communication. But I think that when it comes to writing, 
Well, I mean, first of all, we tend to focus on grammar and punctuation and spelling. If we think, of, well, we either think of writing a novel or, um, you know, that kind of creative writing, or if we're thinking about business writing, we tend to think of grammar, punctuation, getting those basics right. Um, and while those are important, if you get them wrong, they can be distracting. Um, I think grammar, for instance, is to good writing what um, brushing your teeth is to, to 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 a relationship. You know, people are going to notice if you don't do it, but it's hardly the basis on which to build something um, uh, valuable. So it, it's, um, in fact, I, I was uh, in a, a, a forum yesterday uh, and someone was asking for help with written communication and somebody else chipped in and said, oh, yes, um, we cover the basics, you know, if you want. And I just thought, no, it's not the basics. This written communication has become the channel that we use most of the time for communicating, especially uh, since the, the COVID-19 pandemic hit uh, and we all dispersed to the four corners of, of the yeah. virtual world. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and people are you know, people use Slack, they use email. Um, yep. And of course, we know about um, report writing and proposal writing. But even you know, if you if you try and get in touch with a company, you try and get in touch with your uh, with your gas company or your electricity company, and you've got a query, you're probably going to have to use live chat, and that's writing too. It's writing yeah. all the way. Yeah, we're doing more writing. You're right. I mean, you think even text messaging, right? We we don't even like people talking to us on the phone. Just send me a text, right? And so that is all, all that is written word, written communication, and all of that can, um, you know, be misunderstood, right? So uh, that's that's what I imagine we're going to talk about today. Um, let, let's ask, let me ask you, just in general, as leaders, what are we getting wrong? Why, uh, why do we need to look at writing differently as leaders? Well, I think it's, first of all, it's trivializing the writing itself. You, you, you know, it's what tends to happen is we might give somebody a, a report and say, do one like that. Um, we tend to over-rely on written communication. Um, the thing with writing is, uh, when I say this, people kind of look at me, you know, as if I'm mad, but we did not evolve to read and write. Now, if you think about it, that yeah. makes sense, but it's just yeah. something we forget. And there are even neuroscientists who don't really address that issue. Uh, we've been writing as a species for five, 6,000 years. Um, and uh, it takes to, to evolve a major structure in the brain. So, you know, we can see, we can hear. Those kinds of structures take about a million years or more to evolve. So... We didn't evolve to read and write. So it's it's something that's a lot harder than we realize. If we're reading something, there's a lot going on. And so if we over rely on that medium, we're asking for trouble. Mm. Um, you know, if we stay stuck in Slack or in email trying to solve, trying to address a complex issue, um, then the, the brain is, you know, it's hard drive, if you like, and there are problems with thinking of the brain as a computer, you know, maybe we can touch on that later, but the brain's hard drive is really working quite hard already just to read or just to write. And there's very little capacity left for nuance. So one of the major problems there is relying on written communication, particularly for emotive issues. 
you're just you're not going to be able to deal with any fallout um and you're probably not going to get the reaction you want of course nowadays you mentioned texting on your phone and if you know you don't if you send a message you don't know where somebody is going to be when they receive that message right you know right. They, they could be in a traffic jam they could be dropping the kids off at school right, you know they right. could be really stressed yeah uh, and of course there's that temptation just to reply so yeah, yeah. you know if they are already in an emotive state um and you don't know if they are then that just that just that one message could backfire and then what do we do when messages backfire we keep messaging <laughs> we don't yeah. we yeah. don't take that that device that could solve all our problems if we were just to move it from in front of our face and up to our ear and and yes. use it for calling someone yes yes you know that's we don't do that we stay typing and um the reason for that i think is that we are we're con- we we messages that receiving a message releases dopamine and mm-hmm. so you know we we type a message we wait for the next message so we're hooked on that on that message machine uh, and it's very hard to break away from that um yeah so i i think that that, that confusing good writing with good grammar and spelling and punctuation um is one thing and over relying on writing certainly is is a major issue yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I would even say, too, like generationally, there's differences, too, just in the way people write and like uh, emojis, for example, like, you know, me being an older, you know, I'm I'm 54, you know, I'll see my son will send me an emoji and I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't I have no clue. <laughs> That's supposed to mean something. Right. I don't I don't know. And and I've seen that even just in generational conversations is that there's differences. There's uh, references or or things that they understand and they they grew up with and we don't understand. So yeah, so sometimes it's even just generationally there can be differences in how the message was meant and and how it was received. There's a disconnect. Uh, absolutely, you, you touch on a very important issue there, which is that language evolves, hmm. um, and there is, I mean, particularly with with English, there is no rule book now as i say that i'm sure there are a lot of listeners going whoa hang on a minute that sh- <laughs> there are you know uh mr stevens in uh in uh you know when i was at high school told me this you know right, uh, right. Uh, exactly exactly um the oxford so we, comma for example that's a heavy debate uh, absolutely what is the uh, rule <laughs> uh, yeah it, it's a rule but it, it's not you know it's a style point mm. uh, and um you know the, the Going back to my editing days, we used the um, Chicago Style Guide, the Chicago Manual of Style from the University of Chicago Press, and that used the Oxford comma. Um, but, you know, if you used a different style guide, that would say don't use the Oxford comma. And it's not a rule. It's just a style guide to ensure consistency. Right. Um, but the language evolves. I mean, if you, if you take, say, French as a comparison, um, you have the Académie Française who, who meet regularly and decide what words are, are allowed yeah. and what words aren't. You know, they might be, you know, pushing against the tide on that one with a lot of things, but there are arbiters of, of, of the French language. Not so, not so when it comes to comes to English. Um, but the language evolves. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, if your son, your son using emojis, um, 
just a couple of years ago, this it came to light, uh, or it came to light to me because I wasn't aware of it, that, that putting a, um, a period uh, mark or full stop at the end of a sentence or the end yes. of a word in a text was passive aggressive. Yes. You know, this is, it, yes. you know it's like. And I do it all the time because I'm old. You kind of say, no, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's. The same here, although I've yeah. stopped doing it now, which really goes against the grain because, you know, being trained as an editor, it's like uh, my daughter always gets me for how much I punctuate my 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 um, text messages. You know, Dad, yeah. you're the only person I know who uses apostrophes in his, uh, and good grammar, whatever that is. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love that. I, you say this, and I, and I really I'd like to talk about it. You say the... Uh, the the words we type shape our working relationships for better or for worse. For worse, what do you mean by that? Um, it is this issue that, um, or this phenomenon that we completely rely on the written word. Mm. Um, so, and word, you know, going back to this idea of of limited capacity in the brain. So, uh, writing and reading are what psychologists call a low capacity channel. Mm. There's, there's only so much you can get across. Um, we make a lot of our decisions through emotion, um, even though we justify them with logic. Mm. And um, when you are reading something, when you're reading a message or reading an email, because, because there's all this activity going on underneath the hood, um, you're never far away from an emotional reaction. Mm. So, well, because we stay stuck in writing, we are our relationships can kind of whipsaw everywhere. You, you know, you don't know um, how someone is going to react when you write. Now, because I was looking into some research for the, for this, just looking at this phenomenon, because particularly um, of COVID nineteen, the pandemic, and remote working, um, we remote working is. Obviously, it's huge. Um, and I looked up some some statistics and four tenths of U.S. employers um, now, uh, uh, only four tenths of U.S. employers insist on, on working full time in the office now. It's been this huge change. You know, go back just a couple of years ago and um, working from home was, you know, it was a perk. It was something you had to really negotiate, maybe, you know. Can I work at home on a Friday because I have a particularly grueling commute? You know, right, right. whereas the, the the tables have turned 180 yeah. degrees, um, and in fact, seven out of ten employees now say they want a either a, a remote or a hybrid working style. And the number of job ads, cons uh, consequently, that um, mention remote working tripled last year. Mm. Now, because of that, perhaps it's not surprising that employers that ceos say one of their major challenges is getting people to work together effectively mm. remotely oh yeah uh, uh, and you know how do you do that well you know we're tempted to say well zoom you, you know we spend all of our time on zoom but the fact is we don't we may even during the height of the pandemic we had more meetings but the meetings themselves were shorter yeah and so instead what are we doing you know think of all the time when you're not on Zoom, you know, it's which yeah. is most of the time. What are you doing? Well, you're writing. And so it's become this 
default activity. We don't think of it as writing, but, you know, we think of it as messaging or we think of it as creating a proposal or we think of it as managing our staff or or even getting rid of our email, which always makes me laugh. It's as if, um, you, you know, as if if we got rid of the email, then we could do the real work. Whereas the email is probably what's shaping the relationships with our customers and our employees anyway. You know, that yeah, is the work yeah. a lot of the time. Um, so it shapes our relationships because it's there in the background or even in the foreground, but we're just we're just um, blind to it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. I think you're right with that. it's, it's, It's really... A majority of our time, I think about my time in the office, I'm spending more time writing, whether it's emails or messages or than anything else. And you, you say something that's kind of interesting, to hear, interested to hear your, your take on it. You say that uh, emails often make us angry. And why is that? Why do we have a natural emotional response sometimes to these uh, emails that come in? What, what's, the, what's happening in our brains when that happens? Well, I, I think um, often what happens is we look for something to justify the way we feel. Mm. Um, <laughs> Love uh, this. <laughs> uh, I, um, uh, last year, for instance, um, I was j- just over there in my office. Um, I was I was looking for something in the under eaves um, closet and um, I stood up and I banged my head on the steel girder, which, which, which shapes the window. Um, and I, you know, I, I saw stars. It was, you know, I felt nauseous. It was awful. Anyway, I kind of regained my composure. I sat down and the first thing I got was an email from a conference organizer. And to my shame, to my absolute shame, I replied and I replied in an, ang- you know, I, I misinterpreted his email completely. Mm. Uh, I I replied with an emotional response, um, and it was it was purely because I was, you know, I was in a bad mood. I was angry from hitting my head, and I was yeah, angry with yeah. myself. And yeah. yet, I replied in an angry way. Mm. Um, you know, of course, I half an hour later, when I regained my composure, I realized what I'd done, and I emailed him back and I said, "Look, I'm really sorry," um, but. And he was very gracious about it, but you know, I think that the damage was was probably done. You, you know, uh, and um, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that didn't have some effect on our working right, relationship. Right, right. Um, but I think often what happens is you know we make, uh, or there is some research. You know, it's not what I think. There is research 
to show that we make decisions before we are aware of them. Yeah. So, you know, microseconds before, but before. Oh, I, I can definitely see this. Yeah. You yeah. know, so you kind of sort of decisions make, you ever find yourself in, a, in an argument and uh, and you kind of say to yourself, don't say that. And yet you then say it, you kind of say <laughs> to yourself, I mustn't respond like this. And then you right. do respond like that. Right. So that's, that's with talking. When it comes to writing, we are, we're already skating on thin ice. Mm. Um, but the other thing is there was um, some research in the early uh, 2000s uh, that looked at the uh, release of oxytocin. Now, oxytocin, you know, it's sometimes called the love hormone or the hug hormone. It's it's more complicated than that, but it's a very, very important modulator of, of our relationships. You know, it's a social, like a social lubricant. You know, it kind of, it, it's, it helps manage our emotions and, and build relationships. And what this research showed is that... Um, if you if we're typing if we if we read a message then oxytocin isn't released mm. if we if we hear the message then it is i mean in fact it was it was a study between uh mothers and daughters and uh, and it found that um you know daughters were if they heard their mother's voice oxytocin was released if they just read a text message from their mother uh then it wasn't and i, I think that's fascinating i think that there's more research needed on that um but that could give us a clue for why we're, we're more likely to to lose it i suppose um when yeah. we're when we're reading a message than we are if we're actually speaking to somebody yeah and i just think about my you know for me i you know i run i run a business i have customers and i have a few customers that are kind of pains in the neck. Uh, they're they're very needy and want you know, uh, and and they you know we spend a lot of time trying to manage those customers, and I'll even just see an email come in from that customer, and I don't even open the email. It could be saying, "Hey, have a great day," you know, but it doesn't matter. I just see an email. And I'm like, uh, "This guy again," you know. This, I'm, I'm I'm having an emotional reaction to an email coming in. And so yeah. when you when you said emails often make us angry, I I I live that. I see that I'm like this guy again. I got to deal with this, you know. And and we get an emotional like we it's really interesting how um how that 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 can affect us, you know. We and like you said, I think it's really important. You say uh you know, you you responded emotionally to an email just after hitting your head, right? And so you were in the wrong you were in the wrong mental state when you sent the email. I, I don't know how many times I've had to deal with as 30 years in, in this as a leader is when somebody sends an angry email because they respond right away to something that triggered them. And then they send an angry email and then it just builds and it grow, grows from there. And it's just um, I had a boss once that said, if you're angry, don't send an email, so wait, sleep on it, send it to the next day. And you tend to send a better response than if you're emotional in the moment, you know. Absolutely. I think the best thing you can do if you receive um, an email like that is to just quit Outlook or whatever, you know, Gmail, yeah. whatever you're using. Um, and then if you are going to reply, then to, first of all, to remove the person's email address from the to field. So you oh, cannot send it yeah, until you are ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely. Um but I think there's something else going on as well, which is with, with when when we're using this low capacity channel of written communication. Um, there was a great study a few years ago um, which looked at 
um, what, what, what the researchers did was, was they just tapped out a tune. Um, and I've got to tap out a tune now, but, you know, if I had a tune in my head and I tapped it out, and it's really obvious to me, you know, so yeah, let's say, yeah. it, you know, it, it could be something as obvious as the Star Spangled Banner or Happy Birthday or something like that, okay? Yeah. Um, and it would be really, really obvious to me as I'm tapping it out, you know, and I'm just tapping on my desk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You'd be amazed how often, and it's most of the time, the listener cannot detect the tune yeah from yeah. from the tapping you know it's it's a bit like um you know it's a bit like when you kind of when you if you've got your headphones on or your earbuds in and you're listening to your favorite music and you're singing and yeah. if anybody else happens to be in the room with you and you know, it sounds dreadful but it's you've terrible, got this yeah. whole band in your head you know and it's amazing and yeah. that's what happens often when we're writing we mm. we can hear the backing track we we you know we're assuming all sorts of things yeah. and we imagine that the reader, that the recipient will be listening to the same track. Oh, uh, and, of course, yeah. they're not. You've got no idea what's going on in their head. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why so often it, it falls flat that, or, or, you know, you get a you get the, the reaction that you weren't expecting because, you know, they're listening to different audio. You know, yeah. they, can't, they yeah. can't hear the tune in your head. I love that. This is – that's really, really important. So the, the message – that you intend to communicate is not received in the same way, a completely different way, because the, like you said, the tune is not even known. So that's interesting. What what are some things that we need to remember uh, when we're using written communication as a leader? What are some things that are kind of key things that we need to remember before we, you know, put, put our uh, hands on the keyboard? Um, I often joke three things, the reader, the reader, and the reader. Um, but, you know, that's that's easier said than done. You, you know, you've got to put yourself in, in the reader's shoes, mm. but that's so, so difficult. So, so think, you know, what do they know? How do they feel about this issue? Um, you know, what, what's important to them? Mm. So often when we start messages, we're thinking about ourselves, and that's because that's a default position you know we're all the we're all the hero of our own story right so so you know we are by default quite self-centered yeah. you know so you start writing and you're thinking about your needs you, you know so if you think okay if i were this person what do i know about this person what is what are their hot buttons what what buttons do i not want to to press you know and i have to say as, as a word of warning now just as a side note um if you are really overthinking things like that, if you're not overthinking, if you're finding that it's very, very complex, you know, I want to mention this, but I don't want to mention that, and I've got to cover this. Yeah, for goodness yeah. sake, pick up the phone. That's a phone call. You, you know, or or you know, or yeah, hop on some kind of call, um, because if that's really a, a kind of an alarm bell, if you're finding it's very, very complicated to write. Then, then have a call. You can then confirm it in writing afterwards if you need to and you want an audit trail. Um, but you know, don't don't rely on it. So, and definitely with emotive issues, um, that then make sure you you speak. Um, I would say also never mistake um, brevity for efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and this this is um, this is something that. You know, one of those bits of pseudoscience and these myths that are, you know that, that go around the internet. And there was um, there was something um, that went viral. It was a piece um, on a, a major blog. I, I think, pretty sure it was HBR blog. Um, 
and uh, it, it was about writing like the, the military. Okay, so um, very on point for for this podcast. Um, and the the person who was who he was a former soldier, um, the 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 method he was advocating was to to write in bullet points, uh, but but to to start with to, to using the subject line in all caps. Um, words, you know, codes, basically, for, for what kind of category the communication was. And it might have been info or action yeah. or, yeah. or um, one of them was coord. For, you know, it gets slightly kind of esoteric and confusing for, for coordinating. Um, and I think there that what we're doing there is we think, OK, I need to be as efficient as possible. I will write a list of bullets. Um, the biggest mistake we make is to think of the human brain as a computer. Or, or even worse, an Excel spreadsheet, you know, a, a database that's just there waiting for information. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the more information, the better, you, you know, to think that if you want to help somebody make a decision, just give them more information. If you give somebody too much information, it triggers a circuit breaker. Yeah. Um, and you will end up with a very, very strange decision. You know, we just stop making decisions or we make really weird decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but don't just use a, a bullet list. You know, it, it's again, it comes back to that hearing the, the background information, the backing track. Um, a bullet list will, will mean everything to you and it most likely nothing to the recipient. Mm. You know, it's a bit like trying to pass an exam from somebody else's revision notes. It, it's, it, you know, it's kind of uh, and yet we think, well, bullets. Yeah, great. They're they're really, you know, really efficient. I use those. Everybody uses them. Um, yeah. Of course, they're easier to write as well, which is probably something to do with it. Um, you know, instead, you create some kind of narrative. And there is a selfish reason behind this as well, um, which is that if you give somebody a set of a list of bullet points, they could do anything with them. You know, you do not know what story they are going to make up as a result of the information you've given them. If you guide them, then you have a much better chance of getting the result you want. So I would say don't don't confuse brevity with effectiveness and efficiency. Um, certainly don't overuse bullets. Um, if it's too complex, then pick up the phone. If it's emotive, then pick up the phone. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you said something that triggered me. <clears throat> you said that sometimes when a long, we have a long email or a very deep, you know, complex. <clears throat> The reader, I'm the reader. I'm I I'm maybe it's ex-military, but <clears throat> like I get to the point, I gotta make a decision here. You know, if yep. you send me a long email, I put it aside. I'm like, okay, this this is gonna take more time than I have time for. So I'll put it aside. And then even then, <clears throat> I get about halfway through and I'm I'm done. I'm gonna respond. I wanna I'm gonna take action. So you mentioned sometimes when we provide too much information, we get weird decisions and i would say that i'm i'm that guy i'm making those weird decisions because you just you just threw too much at me and i'm trying to find the important pieces here and i just need to get to the point i need to move forward but if you're too brief right then i i don't understand like you know, my my response to you be like i don't get it what's the point you know so there's a balance to be had between you know brevity and being short and then being too long right and 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 part of that is you mentioned earlier <clears throat> is empathy and knowing who your uh, listener is because, or who your reader is, because I think there are some that want 
more detail. There's some that are, you know, are, are, are quick to respond and what have you. So knowing who your audience is, I think is, is part of that. How do I find that balance between too much or too little? Absolutely. There is a sweet spot and it's, and that sweet spot is different for everybody, which perhaps isn't that helpful to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if you suspect somebody might need more information or yeah, rather, yeah. you know, if, if a bit of background might help, you know, you can have your main message and then say, I've pasted some notes below if you want more information, you like know, that. so it's a, it's a bit like an appendix. Um, yeah. But there is another um, technique you can use for, for creating a narrative, even in a short email. Um, and I call it SCRAP, the acronym SCRAP, which stands for situation, complication, resolution, action, and politeness. So the situation is where you are now. Um, and that's important because if you hit somebody with a problem, then yeah. you are going to trigger that emotional reaction. Yes. So what you yes. want is you want the, the reader to be nodding to begin with, you know, yeah. something, yeah. just put something safe in there that they can agree with. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be, you know, we had a good meeting last week. You know, yes, we did. It was a good meeting. You know, um, the complication um, is why you can't stay there. So here we are, where we are now, then why we can't stay there. So something's come up, for instance, um, or I was reading something or some extra information's come up, you know, and here's a complication. So we need to do something. And then resolution. Resolution is you're not giving them a problem. You're giving them some, some way of solving it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's great. But they didn't know they had a problem before. Now they do. And it's like, oh, no. You know, and then you say, but I've, I've come up with an answer. So, wow, great. So they're feeling better disposed to you already. Um, and then action, which is what you need to do in order to implement that. And politeness, um, you know, be great to work with you on this or, um, you know, let me know if you have any um, suggestions, you know, or, or I always value your input, just something, some positive to end on. So, um, yeah, so that's scrap, S-C-R-A-P. It's very important to start with the situation because scrap without the S is, well, it's not very good, is it? You know, no, so, no. Um, you know, it's but that that can really help when you've got a difficult email to send, even quite a short email. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. OK, how can I move this forward? Which is use the, use the scrap formula. I love this. This is really good. I've got got some notes here. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, we have just scratched the surface and we're we're running out of time. And uh, I wanted to just say, how can people find out more about uh, you and uh, the work that you do, uh, and they can find additional resources on this topic? Well, the, the best place to go is uh, influence.robashton.com slash deep. So that's influence.robashton.com slash deep. And I've uh, put a page there for your listeners. They can sign up there for uh, a short, free audio uh, and uh, e-course so it's a it's just five emails which uh cover the how to influence decision making through the way you write um with audio because you know there's enough writing out there uh sometimes it's a lot easier just to listen so there's an inbuilt audio player um but they can find a link there to my website from there and, and information uh, on the on my training company as well so yeah if they go there they should that should sort them Okay, that's fantastic. We'll put that link in the show notes. But this has been incredible, Rob. Like I said, we just scratched the surface of this topic. It is very important. Uh, you have helped me to see that most of our communication 
is in writing, and whether it's a text, an email, Slack chat channel. Uh, we're doing a lot of writing, and we're probably making a lot of mistakes as leaders. And um, so, hopefully, this uh, you know this discussion helped people understand a little bit about you know think about this a little bit more, and and they can go to your resources and and to find out more about the topic. So, Rob, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of this insight. I, I, it's been eye-opening for me, and I've got a page of notes here. So, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, John. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, thank you again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys.